Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! This is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. My name is Bex and here is where you find out about the best books from the people who write them. Uh, This week we're going to be hearing from Katie and Kevin Sang. We will get a special reading from L.D. Lipinski and I reckon we can squeeze in a chat about Extinction with Ben Garrod as well as telling you about some amazing new books that are coming out this month as well. So, like I promised you, let's kick off with a big chat with Katie and Kevin Sang. I'm joined right now by Katie and Kevin Sang. They are incredible authors. So guys, how you doing? Hello, hello. We're doing great. Thank you. So excited to be part of the show. Well, I'm thrilled to have you because you've brought with you the second book in your Dragon series. You've got Dragon Legend hitting the shops right now. So the first book in the Dragon Realm series is Dragon Mountain, which came out in September. And Dragon Mountain opens with four friends who meet at a summer camp in the middle of nowhere in China. And the four friends accidentally open a mountain and discover four ancient warrior dragons trapped inside. And the dragons need their help to... um, save both the human realm and the dragon realm. Um, And the new book, Dragon Legend, kind of continues the adventure. Um, The friends come up against uh, new obstacles. I'm a a very big baddie. And uh, this one I'll say is a little bit more of a quest because the first book, Dragon Mountain, is kind of introducing the characters and the setup and discovering the dragons. And in book two, in Dragon Legend, we are right there in the adventure um, and diving straight in. So I would say it's even more exciting and epic. Now, can you tell us, for listeners who might not have read the first book, what has been going on so far? Yes, yes, they are. Straight, straight from the start of, of book two, they are right into the action, into the dragon realm. Uh, I suppose book one is set a lot more kind of between the two realms, a lot in the, the human realm, whereas as book two, it's, it's straight into the, the magical land that is, that is dragon realm, which was so much fun to write. And that's definitely something we try to do is keep the books really exciting and pacey. You know, we know our intended audience. They have a lot of options for how they want to spend their time. And it's not just other books. It's things like, you know, Marvel movies and anime and video games. Um, So we want to make sure that our books can kind of compete in terms of excitement and engagement. Well, that's very thoughtful of you and you absolutely achieve it. It's an incredible world. Uh, Can you tell me what Billy and his friends are like as a gang? Yeah, of course. So Billy's from California and he just absolutely loves surfing, loves his group of friends in California. And he's actually not really looking forward to summer camp in the middle of nowhere, China. Uh, But little does he know he's he's in for the adventure of his life. Um, And then there's also he's joined in um, on the summer camp with Ling Fei, who is local, and she... um, knows the the head counselor there, Old Gold. Gold. Yeah, and Ling Fei really loves nature and she's really excited to meet new friends. Um, we also have Charlotte Bell from Atlanta, Georgia. And Charlotte is um, 
you know, she's pretty tough. Uh, she could probably take most people in a fight, but she also loves fashion and dresses. Um, and then Dylan O'Donnell is from uh, Galway, Ireland. So it was important to us to have an ensemble cast. We didn't want this to be a kind of a chosen one story. We love those books, nothing against those mm-hmm. books. Um, but we really wanted it to be about a group of four friends and how they each bring something, you know, very different to the table. But it's the four of them working together that kind of is how they find their their their, their biggest strengths and i know you probably won't admit this but do you have a favorite is there one of them that you like the most (laughs) oh you know i think it's just so fun writing all four of them um uh, and what's fun about having this ensemble cast is you kind of bounce around and especially by you know the second we're working we've just finished the third book as well um which will be out in september uh it's fun having different characters you know so well to bounce around kev what about you I, i i love them all i think there's there's definitely not one that i I like more than the others. And actually what I, I do like the most, like Katie said, is just how they interact with each other. Yeah, I can imagine it must be fun to write those pieces for them. Uh, was there one particular bit in the book that you loved putting them through because it was just so fun and adventurous? I absolutely loved when they first meet the dragons. I mean, just imagine, you know, being in their shoes and opening up a mountain and, you know, right in front of you, you know, four mythical, powerful, magical creatures. Uh, and that was that was really, really fun to write. Yeah, and I really enjoy the bits where, you know, they, they've, they're they fairly recent friends, but they have some things that really book, because they meet only at the summer camp, but when they decide, you know, they're going to be loyal to each other and they're they're going to help each other out, you know, kind of any any scene where they're, they're trying to work together, I really love. But I agree with Kevin, when we first see the dragons, you know, because that's the, it's it's a big, a big kind of show-stopping set piece, or, or we, we hope it is. Um, and then it's also the first time that the kids actually fly on the back of the dragons is very exciting too. Yeah, it's pretty epic. Uh, you did mention working together. Of course, uh, you two work together to write the books. So how does it work? Does one of you do the typing and the other one speak it out loud? It's a bit of a, a process. It took us a little bit to figure out. Yeah, and it depends on the, on the story. I think, you know, for, for Sam Wu, which is a bit shorter, we wrote everything essentially together and shared a screen. Um, but with, with, with Dragon Legend, um, we, write, we do a lot of brainstorming up front just to make sure we have the same vision for the book and we outline the story. Uh, and then we write the first third together. And then, and then after that, we really divide and conquer based on the outline. Yeah, and so, you know, when, when Kevin says we write the first third together, we'll actually put it up on our TV screen, have one laptop, and we exactly say so we discuss, and so one of us will type, and one of us will kind of oversee and give feedback, and we swap back and forth, um, and then uh, as we kind of go on, we have different scenes that each one of us will tackle kind of independently, and then we edit each other's work as we go. Um, you know, we have different strengths as writers. Kevin is excellent at kind of the big battle scenes. He's got an incredible imagination for world building. Um, I really love kind of character interactions and de- developing those. So I think together we're able to bring a lot of um, different strengths to the book. Like you say, like, like our characters do in their adventures. <laughs> now, I guess you must be doing that for the third book as well. Is that Dragon City, the third one in the series? It is, yeah. We're very excited about Dragon City. It's it's a whole new world as well. So um, n- n- not, no big spoilers, but it's it's set in the future. So it's, it's it was a very fun, very different book to write. Brilliant stuff. Now, before I let you guys go, with every author on Fun Kids, I do a little quick fire round of questions just to get a feel of who they are as a writer. Okay, so first up, books or Kindles? Oh, books. Ooh, uh, depends on where I am. Oh, shocking! <laughs> well, on the, if I'm if I'm on the beach and there's water, you know, I like I like the waterproof version of of, of Kindle. Oh wow! Mm. Interesting. I've never actually had that answer before. Big fan of that. Uh, right now, heroes or villains? Heroes. I think I for writing, I love writing a villain. <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised how many people say that. 
Uh, Hong Kong or London? Oh, Ooh. my heart. Those are my two most favorite cities because Kevin and I, for any listeners that are else, Kevin and I used Hong to Kong, be... Hong Kong for 20s, th- uh, London London for, for 30s. I love that answer. Yeah, Kevin and I met and used to live in Hong Kong and now we live in London. So yes, Hong Kong for our 20s, uh, London for our 30s and beyond. <laughs> I love that. Great answer. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh. Go ahead. You go ahead. I'll say... I'll say TV, although I, I do flip back and forth. I'd say for Dragon Mountain, I would love for it to be a TV adaptation, animated. Excellent. Uh, writing or reading? Reading. <laughs> reading as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> reading is just... For, for, I, I think I'm a reader first and foremost. Um, I think I get behind in my deadlines because I stay up reading other people's books. <laughs> Sam Wu or Billy? Ooh, oh, oh no, I can't choose. That's so hard. Um, we can That's do one of each. You, you go and I'll do the other one. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think, oh, I'll choose Billy. Billy, all right, then I choose Sam Wu. (laughs) That was teamwork right there in action. Okay, uh, Hogwarts or Narnia? Narnia for me. Uh, I'll go Hogwarts, actually. That was pretty evenly split, excellent. And now, do you work on a laptop or do you write by hand? Laptop, yeah. And then, although we do cover our walls in um, whiteboard paper when we're outlining and drafting, and uh, to kind of not drafting, but coming up with ideas. And then we'll actually leave questions for ourselves, kind of like we'll put it up in the kitchen or leave it. So, you know, you're constantly thinking about those plot points. So that's sort of by hand, but for actual drafting, we, we type. Yeah. Outlining, I, I also like just a, a blank sheet of paper when I'm, I'm dreaming up a new scene and I, that really helps Ke- me. Kevin does more by pens and paper than I do, actually. I think a blank sheet of paper can either be really exciting or really scary as a writer. A Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? A Winnie Ooh, the Pooh, Winnie, yeah. where our toddler, uh, she turns two this week, actually. She's obsessed with Winnie the Pooh. So uh, we watch a lot of Winnie the Pooh and read a lot of Winnie the Pooh. And it's just a lot of Winnie the Pooh in our house. <laughs> I, I know all of the songs and sing them daily. <laughs> Finally, the big one, the most important one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, salt Ooh, and salt, vinegar. Salt and vinegar for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> who says cheese and onion over salt and vinegar? Oh, Idiot, terrible choice. That's who. Idiots choose that choice. Terrible, terrible. Um, now, now I want some crisps. <laughs> you didn't see me. I did actually punch the air when you said salt and vinegar. Thanks so much for doing my little author's quiz, guys. Hopefully everybody will go out and grab the book. Now bookshops are open and it's out right now. Kevin and Katie, thank you so much for chatting to us. Well, thank oh. you so much. It was so fun. Thank you to Katie and Kevin. They were amazing. I was so excited to get them on Fun Kids because I've wanted to talk to them for ages and they did not disappoint. Uh, next up, why don't we leap into a reading from L.D. Lipinski and her brand new book. Hi everyone, I'm L.D. Lipinski. I'm the author of the Strange Worlds Travel Agency series. And the second book, The Edge of the Ocean, has just come out in bookshops right now. And I thought I'd give you guys a bit of a sneak peek at the very first chapter to the new book so this is the prologue people called them pirates and the sailors who lived in the world of the break wore that title with pride because when you live on a ship and your life includes a lot of skullduggery and scallywaggery what else would you call yourself but pirate every one of them certainly looked the part and the crew who called knife shaban their captain were not without style The sailor's appearance was as artful as it was necessary. Prosthetic legs were carved with delicate rising waves, and eye patches were made of softened leather with the crest of the ship sewn onto them. Captain Knife's own eye patch, nestled in the hollow of where her left eye used to be, had a spray of blue embroidered on it, a homage to her flagship, the Aconite, named after the poisonous blue flower. That night, Knife was engrossed in a map in front of her. 
She had not looked at the clock in her cabin for some time. Clocks were very important in the break, because the sunrises and sunsets were so unreliable. Knife had been poring over a collection of maps and charts for most of the day. A half-eaten meal had been buried under an unfurled scroll several hours ago. Knife ran her hand over the map. It was circular, coloured in vivid inks and sealed with varnish. The surface shone and cracked. It was a map of her entire world. The world of the break. A knock sounded on her cabin door. Yes, she said, keeping her eyes down. Captain. Jeremy, the second mate, stuck his head around the door. It's getting dark, and there's still no sign of the Nasta. He paused, shifting the weight of the truth he carried before dropping it. The ship's gone, Captain. Knife looked up from her chart. For a moment, worry flickered behind her eye, and then it vanished, replaced by her usual unreadable chill. Tell the crew to batten down and get themselves some food. If they can't find the ship in the light, I doubt they'll find it in the dark. Jeremy nodded and excused himself. Knife leant back and adjusted one of the markers on her map. In the centre of the mostly blue world was a brown island that looked like a round of bread torn open. The break. The largest island in the waters and the one Knife's world was named after. A splatter of other islands spiralled out into the blue, but none of them rivalled the landmass of the break. A sailor would need more than a day to walk from one side to the other. There was a time, when Knife was younger, that the map she'd been looking at had been twice the size. Over the years, the map had been trimmed down, cut away, as the sea became smaller. It had been happening for so long now that Knife couldn't remember a month going by when the map had stayed as it was. Knife Shaban took out a thin blade from the collection at her belt. She stabbed quickly into the edge of the map and skimmed the blade around the edge of the circle, shaving off a slice no wider than her thumbnail. She picked up the hoop of chart and crumpled it in her hand before dropping it into the waste paper basket. The world is shrinking, she said to no one. Then she took out a piece of thick recycled paper and a writing set. She had a letter to send. No, not a letter. A summons. Now, every now and again, I like to recommend some brilliant new books for you. And there are some that have caught my eye this month. Uh, One of them is called Let's Go Swimming on Doomsday. It's by Natalie C. Anderson. And it's all about Abdi. Now, when Abdi's family is kidnapped, he has to do the unthinkable. He has to go and basically help to save his family. It's more of a young adult adventure, so maybe for an older reader, and it's quite big as well. I think it's quite a long book, so if you do love your reading and you're a little bit older and you want a kind of chunky story to get into, that is the one for you. And of course, if you're not quite there yet, that's okay too. There's loads of other books to check out. One of my favourites is Claude at the Palace. It is the 10th book in Alex T. Smith's Claude series, all about Claude the dog and his pal off to meet the Queen. It is for slightly younger readers and it's very fun and very exciting so I would definitely recommend those two books for you Hello everyone I'm Cressida Cowell author of How to Train Your Dragon and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series Which Way to Anywhere It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift Of course this leads to epic unexpected adventures Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel Which Way Round the Galaxy are both available to buy now Happy reading! Right now, it's time to check in with Ben Garrod. Now, he is a brilliant scientist, broadcaster and writer, and he's got a whole new series all about extinction. 
you've been very, very busy, haven't you? Because um, our listeners might know you as a TV presenter, as a scientist, and you're also a writer, and you've written a brand new series of books. Has this taken you the whole of lockdown? It has pretty much kept me very busy and out of mischief uh, for the last 12 months or so. So yes, this has been my lockdown project. And a very good one it is too. I have, I think, the first one I think I've got right in front of me here. Um, And so it's all about extinct species. Is that right? It is, but it's a little bit bigger than that. This is this is about the things that made those species extinct or those groups extinct. We always talk about this is the sixth mass extinction that we're now in or now going into. And my question to young scientists and young science enthusiasts is, okay, what were the first five then? And you see that wonderful look of, oh, and they can often say the one that killed the dinosaurs. Like, yeah, that's one. You've got a load more to do, actually. <laughs> So throughout prehistory or the history of the planet that we're living on, we've had at least five and maybe as many as 20 mass extinctions, whereas at at least 75% of life on Earth has gone extinct. And in one of those events, 96% of life was lost. So I really want to explore what is extinction and what are these mass extinctions? What do they mean for nature, for evolution? to really understand all there is to know about extinction so that we can look at the situation that we're in now. It is fascinating. I was reading your book and it was blowing my mind because, let's put it like this, I'm not the strongest scientist. Let's let's leave it there. Um, <laughs> but reading your book, it was amazing because you've got all these facts that remind the, the reader that um, the world is very big and has gone on for a lot longer than we can kind of even comprehend. And you're right, I think of extinction, I just think of dinosaurs, but there are there are so many more species out there to explore. Absolutely. So it's very hard to put your finger on exactly how many species have gone extinct, but some scientists have done their calculations and it might be around the 5 billion, 5 billion uh, area. So that's 5 billion species at least that have gone extinct in the last half billion years or so that life has really been on our planet. So we, as you, you're right, our planet is very, very old, three and a half, I think it's nearly four billion years old or something like that. But in terms of extinctions, they've been going on for, for well, the best part of a billion years. So the dinosaurs, they did really well, but they're just one chapter in the incredible history of life on Earth. Is, is it the same thing that always causes extinctions or is it lots of different things depending on, on the species? No. So if I just, uh, that was part of the nice thing about this, this series, that if I just write the same story again and again and again, <laughs> no one's going to, no one's going to enjoy my books. But the cool thing is that in almost every one of these mass extinctions, there was a different suspect every time. And I'm saying suspect because it's a little bit like a detective story or you're playing detective where you're trying to solve a mystery, effectively a murder mystery, sometimes of millions of species (laughs) that stretches back hundreds of millions of years sometimes. Um, And in each of those events, there was something different that was responsible every time. So the easy one is 66 million years ago, there was an asteroid. There was an asteroid that struck the planet just north of where Mexico is now and bye-bye dinosaurs. But that's just one example. We can go back much earlier than that. And we saw uh, climate change very, very much more, much more extreme than we see now, where we had glaciers that covered almost the entirety of the planet, nearly a kilometre high. And we also saw before that 
One of the worst extinction events was caused by plants. So as plants and trees evolved on land, they started breaking up the, uh, the very mineral-heavy rock on our planet, creating soil, which sounds great. But actually, within that soil, there were so many nutrients that started washing into streams, into rivers, and ultimately into the oceans, that it caused what we refer to as an algal, algal bloom, where you get these very, very small microscopic plants called algae that just take the nutrients and grow and grow and grow, and they starve the water of oxygen. Now, that happened all around the planet and basically killed the marine environments. So even things like the evolution of plants can have a, a massive negative effect on other groups around the world. So yeah, sometimes it was plants, sometimes it was frozen wastelands. We've got huge volcanic areas that cover millions of square kilometers, and we had the asteroid. But even within the asteroid story, it wasn't as simple saying an asteroid hit our planet. It hit one of only about 11% of the surface of the Earth that would have caused such mass devastation. And the angle it hit, the, the, uh, the, the size of the crater it made, and the rock on which it landed on, the, uh, on that part of Earth caused such mass devastation. So even if you think you know these stories, there's a lot of science going on right now to really try and find out the exact details of what went on and why that was so important in terms of the impact on species and, and groups of animals, plants and other organisms around the world. It's such, first of all, a fascinating book, but secondly, you describe everything so well. And the stuff in there that I had no idea about, like um, I read about certain species that kind of coexist and when one gets taken away, it just means another one, of course, can't exist anymore. First one I've got is, um, the is it hallucinogenia? I want to make sure I say that right. Absolutely, because it was so weird that the scientists said it was like they were hallucinating when they were trying to describe this weird little worm that walked on legs that had big armoured spikes. Now, it doesn't sound very cool. You think, well... I'd rather learn about T-Rex or, uh, or, or Megalodon or something like that. But actually, if you go back 350 million years, then hallucinogenia, this tiny little thing that was only about three centimeters long, was one of the biggest, most complex animals on the planet. So we're going back to a time when the whole world looked alien. So yeah, this whole series goes from weird and wonderful things like worms right through to to Megalodon, the biggest shark ever, and T-Rex, and thylacines, Tasmanian tigers. So I wanted to include different organisms to try and tell the story of extinction. I mean, the hallucinogenia, it does draw the eye, I would say. On the front cover, you've got a bright orange cover, and then you've got, let's face it, like you say, a bit of an alien-like creature. You can't help but be like, what on earth is this? Absolutely. You say alien, then the really cool thing is the further back in time you go, our planet looked very, very alien. It almost looked like some sort of space voyage. And in some of my books, I've managed to work with my amazing illustrator, and we've actually designed some of our illustrations with a little bit of a space twist. So when you look at the trilobite book, for example, and we all know what trilobites are. They're these little fossils, little flat things that look a little bit like wood lice that you see in fossil shops and museums. But actually unraveling what these animals were was so cool because we start to put their habitats and their ecosystems back together and their ecology, so how they lived and where they lived, then you realise that these things were swimming and uh, chasing things through the water. Some were tiny, four millimetres, and some were nearly a, uh, nearly a metre in length. They become really alien suddenly. So yeah, the further back you go, our planet looked much weirder than it does today. 
And you're right, those illustrations really do help. I think they bring everything to life as well, don't they? Yeah, so Gabriel Ueto, he is one of the world's best paleo artists. So that's an artist who specialises in paleontology, so things that have gone extinct. And he does all his work digitally, but Gabriel and I have worked together to really really design some ideas and concepts that sometimes haven't been done before. So we've all seen illustrations of Megalodon, the big shark, and T-Rex, obviously. But how do we show them in ways that have never been seen before? How do we really explore all the weird and wonderful bits of their behaviour that you might not normally see in a book or in a TV series or even a film? So we've had quite a bit of fun as we move through the series to try and show some of the most well-known animals in ways you probably don't expect. So I've got the first one, like I said, in front of me, the uh, hallucinogenia one, but you've also got a bundle of other ones that are out now and also that are still to come. Is that right? Absolutely. So I didn't want to put them all out at once. So the first three, hallucinogenia um, and then Dunkleosteus, this huge armoured fish that was the world's first super predator swimming around the Devonian oceans um, is the second book. And then Trilobites, a massive group um, of Organisms is uh, my third book. And then they're released in uh, the middle of May this year. We've got a few more being released at the end of this year. So we've then got Lizawickia, which is this huge armoured mammal that look like a, looks like a cross between a hamster and a tank. Um, but it was one of your relatives. It was one of your great, 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 if we said great for a couple of days, uh, <laughs> ancestors or possibly cousins. Um, we then move on to, who do we do next? Uh, T-Rex. And then, obviously, the famous extinction, and then Megalodon, the big shark. And we finally come on to a period that we're much more um, used to, and we know much better, um, is within the last hundred years or so. So the seventh book is on the thylacine, which is also known as the Tasmanian tiger. And it's not a tiger. It was more related to kangaroos. It was this beautiful, stripy predator that looked a little bit like a wolf, but wasn't. Um, they were hunted out into extinction in the, I think, 1936. And then finally, the eighth book is the Hainan Gibbon. Now, weirdly, that's not extinct yet. That's the only one of the series that are still alive. And I wanted to play a little bit with that last one to really explore what it's like for an animal to be right on the edge of extinction. So there's between 25 and 30 Hainan Gibbons left um, over in China. And I want to really explore how you try and save a species when you should or shouldn't save a species and what's being done by conservationists around the world, not only with Hainan gibbons, but with other species and habitats and ecosystems as well. So that last book really throws it forward and looks into conservation as well as extinction. I know a lot of our listeners, and again, I'm sure your readers are really interested in climate change and, and the um, biology and ecology. So uh, it's such a fascinating book. And also, let's face it, a lot of people just love dinosaurs. So it's a great thing to hook them in with, I imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the, that's the cool thing. Science, I mean, I think science is amazing. It tells, it tells the most fascinating, important and interesting stories within our universe. But if that's not enough, then yes. I mean, most people at some point in their lives love dinosaurs and other extinct animals as well. So to, to combine these incredible extinct organisms with amazing, amazing stories within, within evolution, such as extinctions and mass extinctions, then yeah, what's not to love? And like you said, at a time where it's so important to really think about climate change and what we can all do to try and offset that in some small way, then yeah, these books are, I think, quite important right now for, for any young reader. They really are. And they're also just beautiful and really fascinating books. Uh, ben Garrod, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you. 
Well, that's pretty much all the time I've got on Bookworms for today. Thank you so much to Katie and Kevin Sang, to LD Lipinski and to Ben Garod for helping me share and spread the book news. If you've enjoyed this podcast, well, firstly, thanks. Uh, Secondly, remember, rate, review and follow it wherever it is you get your podcasts. I'll see you very soon. In the meantime, go and read an amazing book. Bye. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!